Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. My name's Grace. I'm Mary Payton. And I'm Mike. And today, we're doing a little fantasy spotlight. Ooh, that's exciting. Yes. I love it. genre I'm not very big on. Big no, on no, reading. no. We learned, Mike, that you are, in fact. Yes. <laughs> I noticed that I watch a lot of fantasy, but oh, okay. as far oh, as yes. reading, it's still very new to me. So I'm definitely all up for recommendations and books that I should be reading and that I add to my TBR list that is very short, he says confidently. <laughs> I doubt it. Great news for you. <laughs> Uh, we have some great recommendations in this episode. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about historical fantasy, urban fantasy, and futuristic fantasy. So Ooh. everyone just buckle up, okay? Yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about kind of what each one of these subgenres of fantasy is, and then give you some books to kind of look to as examples, or just like general recommendations in case you want to be reading more in any of these genres or writing more in any of these genres. So without further ado, first up, we're going to talk about historical fantasy. Historical fantasy is obviously a subgenre of fantasy, but it's also a subgenre of historical fiction. And I will say, I'm a big fan of historical fiction. I like it a lot. And I haven't read as much historical fantasy, but it is all of the things that I love. It's like fantastical elements in a particular time period in, in the past. So I love that. That's great. I bet a lot of these books would also fit in magical realism, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because magical realism is... A story told about sort of the normal, non-magical, non-fantasy world, but fantastical elements happen within it. Yeah. So historical fantasy, it seems like is, you know, something based in real, actual history, but it adds fantastical mm -hmm. elements to it as well. Yeah, I kind of think of it like the history is sort of the anchor, mm -hmm. the grounding force, and then you kind of just like add in at your own discretion all of these cool fantastical elements which makes like an already fun thing even more fun yeah that's awesome we're gonna provide the synopses for all of the books that we mention and um in this episode just because you know we want to be able to give you the information about the book without adding too much of our own opinion even though i probably will anyway but just <laughs> to course. give you like the facts you of know course. what i mean yes <laughs> Okay, just in case you're interested in picking up any of these books. Um, okay, so the first one is Gods of Jade and Shadow by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And here's the synopsis. 
The Jazz Age is in Full Swing by Cassiopeia Toon is too busy cleaning the floors of her wealthy grandfather's house to listen to any fast tunes. Nevertheless, she dreams of a life far from her dusty small town in southern Mexico, a life she can call her own. Yet this new life seems as distant as the stars, until the day she finds a curious wooden box in her grandfather's room. She opens it and accidentally frees the spirit of the Mayan god of death, who requests her help recovering his throne from his treacherous brother. Failure will mean Cassiopeia's demise, but success could make her dreams come true. In the company of the strangely alluring god, and armed with her wits, Cassiopeia begins an adventure that will take her on a cross-country odyssey from the jungles of the Yucatan to the bright lights of Mexico City, and deep into the darkness of the Mayan underworld. That sounds so good. I have read that book. It is very good. Okay. (laughs) Immediately gives opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Adds to TBR. Yeah, I love that one. Um, but that's that one's very cool because obviously it's set in the jazz age and it's also set in Mexico. So it's got awesome cultural elements, you know, involves a lot of mythos of the region. Very cool. Very fun. The next book in this genre that I want to recommend, which I haven't read this one, but it's called When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. And Mary Payton, I believe we just got this one for you for your B-Day. Yes, I was so excited. Uh, The Wildlings got me this book for my birthday. This is one of my favorite authors, um, Kelly Barnhill. She wrote The Girl Who Drank the Moon, which is actually um, middle grade. One of my favorite age ranges of books to read because they're so magical. And that one's like fully fantasy. This one, actually, I didn't realize was historical fantasy until I started reading it. And it's adult fiction, too. It's not middle grade, by the way. But mm. I am so into it right now. I'm I'm like three chapters in, I think, at this point. So not very far in. But uh, so good. But already. into it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read the little synopsis for us, Mary Payne? I would love to. Is it going to have spoilers in it, Grace? Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> well. Did you not read the back of the book when we got it for you? <laughs> we've come too far. We've come too far. Oh, is this from the straight from the back of the book? It's I you know it's just the regular old synopsis okay, I got so you. it should be pretty spoiler free. Okay, then I'll I'll allow it. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> Alex Green is a young girl in a world much like ours, but this version of 1950s America is characterized by a significant event, the mass dragoning of 1955, when hundreds of thousands of ordinary wives and mothers sprouted wings, scales and talons left a trail of fiery destruction in their path, and took to the skies, seemingly for good. Was it their choice? What will become of those left behind? Why did Alex's beloved Aunt Marla transform, but her mother did not? Alex doesn't know. It's taboo to speak of, even more so than her crush on Sonia, her schoolmate. Forced into silence, Alex nevertheless must face the consequences of dragons. A mother more protective than ever, a father growing increasingly distant, the upsetting insistence that her aunt never even existed, and a new sister obsessed with dragons far beyond propriety. Through loss, rage, and self-discovery, this story follows Alex's journey as she deals with the events leading up to and beyond the mass dragoning, and her connection with the phenomenon itself. Whoa. Amazing. That sounds so good. I love the the phrase, the mass dragoning. The yeah. second you said that, I was like, so we're passing this book around the group, right? Yes. So yes. We're, done, we're reading this too, please. Yeah, I love it. And it started with a news report that was written very much like any news report would be, you know, in the real world, in our world. 
mm-hmm. discussing the mass dragoning or like it discusses like a, a, a recent dragoning and then harkens back to this mass dragoning of 1955. And so you're thrown into not only a news report, which is very like factual and historical, you know, based in reality. And then they start talking about people turning into dragons at the same moment. So it's very cool from the very beginning. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you'll have to let us know how you feel about it in the end. I will. I don't think she can ruin it by the end, but I, people have. Authors have done that to me before, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> it's true. So the next genre on the list is urban fantasy. And I will say, it's hard to make this definition complicated. It's just a genre that places fantasy elements into an urban setting. Okay, that's it. We don't need to overcomplicate it. <laughs> End of podcast episode. Yeah, okay, great. Done. <laughs> this particular genre is gonna be newer than the others maybe that we're talking about today because, I mean, it just makes sense. This genre could simply never exist without industrialization and, you know, people living in the cities instead of farms. Makes sense. <laughs> So it's uh, it's going to be a little bit more of a contemporary genre, and we've got authors out here on the cutting edge just making it happen. Yeah, I definitely think this is the side of fantasy that I'm more drawn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the urban fantasy. Yeah, and it's really cool, actually, because when you think of traditional fantasy, you think of settings with a rural backdrop of olden times Mm -hmm. and having a setting that's like goblins in a city is like these two things don't really go together but it's like how is it going to play out how are these two opposing elements going to work together and so it's really interesting and i think it's very cool that is really interesting because i don't think that i've ever thought of fantasy being more rural like before now, before discussing urban fantasy and the fact that like that yeah. is such a such a subset of traditional fantasy that it has its own subgenre now. That's crazy. Yeah. Because most of them are, you know, you're talking about like traditional fantasy is like in the wild of the wood and the mountains exactly. of something or other. There's always these it's like, like uh, just like on our way to Mordor. Yeah. You know, these long like- journeys like <laughs> through the countryside. That's a, that's Exactly. Really interesting. I wonder if that's I wonder if that has something to do with maybe that like more rural settings are more set in tradition, where mm-hmm. industrialized settings and urban settings are still building themselves as you know a place. They don't have as much history, mm-hmm. yeah, know, to build off of. So maybe they're just yeah. I think it could also be that reading, especially fantasy, a lot of the reason that people read that in particular is to escape reality, mm-hmm. um, and especially now these days, a lot of our reality is living in these urban areas or at least suburban or built up industrial kind of areas. So traditional fantasy is more of an escape from that. And urban fantasy, as we'll talk about, can be too, but it's the setting is very different. I think it is because it's like, what if my regular old city was actually magical? Yeah, Mm -hmm. very cool. Like it's fun to reimagine it that way. You know what I mean? Mm Okay, so some book recommendations. In this genre, we have American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Have either of y'all read that? Yeah, I read it quite a while ago, and it's not uh, – it's it's hard to describe. So urban fantasy, obviously, is one way to describe it. But it's very good. He's such a pl- prolific writer that I think if you dive into Neil Gaiman, which you should, by the way, that's my recommendation um, – 
then you can really find any sort of genre. He's someone who is, he's even said before that he doesn't like to put his books into a genre or a subgenre. Grace. Okay. Mm, Sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I think he, you know, he knows that they end up there, that he tends to write a certain <laughs> type of genre, but he likes to write, write books that sort of bend the genres. And maybe that's where he found urban fantasy. Yeah, because I feel like this genre does do that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, my exposure to him, you know, I told you I usually watch more than I've read when it comes to fantasy, was The Sandman on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's based off of his graphic novels, The Sandman. So good. And the first season was awesome. I loved it. And I'm so thankful that the Netflix curse didn't happen to it and it did get renewed for a second season. So it's definitely, you know, now I can recommend it to people to invest in it because we're at least going to get a second season out of that show. But it's amazing. Mike, do you want to read the synopsis for American Gods? Sure. Locked behind bars for three years, Shadow did his time, quietly waiting for the magic day when he could return to Eagle Point, Indiana. A man no longer scared of what tomorrow might bring, all he wanted was to be with Laura, the wife he deeply loved, and start a new life. But just days before his release, Laura and Shadow's best friends are killed in an accident. With his life in pieces and nothing to keep him tethered, Shadow accepts a job from a beguiling stranger he meets on the way home, an enigmatic man who calls himself Mr. Wednesday. A trickster and a rogue, Wednesday seems to know more about Shadow than Shadow does himself. Life as Wednesday's bodyguard, driver, and errand boy is far more interesting and dangerous than Shadow ever imagined. It is a job that takes him on a dark and strange road trip and introduces him to a host of eccentric characters whose fates are mysteriously intertwined with his own. Mm. Oh, yeah. Intrigue. <laughs> Was that a good synopsis, Mary, since you know the book? Man, there's so many different elements in this book, and and it's just so chock full of cool stuff. This episode is making me think that we need to do another episode, it always happens, mm-hmm. on how to write good back cover copy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. Somebody write that down. that is hard. That's hard to do. Um, yeah, it is hard to do. Mm-hmm. But I feel like all of these synopses are compelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a series I think that everyone has heard of in the urban fantasy genre, the Mortal Instruments series. The first book in that series is called City of Bones by Cassandra Clare. And uh, admittedly, I have not read this series. Uh, I know Christina has. Has anyone on this particular episode? <laughs> I read it. I read I it quite a while ago. Oh, yeah. I read it when I was in probably high school. So it's been a while. Is it YA? It is YA, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did you like it? Yeah, it's really good. It's um really engrossing. Like the, the way that she draws you into the characters and into this world that is urban and like ours, but um, fantastical. It's very cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, just in case there are any other people out there like me who haven't read the series, I'm just going to read you the synopsis real quick. When 15-year-old Clary Frey heads out to the Pandemonium Club in New York City, she hardly expects to witness a murder, much less a murder committed by three teenagers covered with strange tattoos and brandishing bizarre weapons. Then the body disappears into thin air. It's hard to call the police when the murderers are invisible to everyone else and when there is nothing, not even a smear of blood, to show that a boy has died. Or was he a boy? This is Clary's first meeting with the Shadowhunters, warriors dedicated to ridding the earth of demons. 
And it's also her first encounter with Jace, a shadow hunter who looks a little like an angel and acts a lot like a jerk. <laughs> Within 24 hours, Clary is pulled into Jace's world with a vengeance when her mother disappears and Clary herself is attacked by a demon. But why would demons be interested in ordinary mundanes like Clary and her mother? And how did Clary suddenly get the sight? The shadow hunters would like to know. Exotic and gritty, exhilarating and utterly gripping, Cassandra Clare's ferociously entertaining fantasy takes readers on a wild ride that they will never want to end. These last lines of the of the synopses are all really good, too. I know. Really, really getting them at the end <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, but I think urban fantasy is very cool. I like the mix that we get in that genre. I think it's mm-hmm. intriguing and just a fun time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, finally, we have futuristic fantasy. For all of our listeners, we recently did an episode about the difference between science fiction and fantasy. And you may recall at the very start of that episode, I said we were going to be talking about science fantasy. And I messed up by saying that because that's a whole different thing. And that's this. That is futuristic fantasy. (laughs) Science fantasy. I, I was like just that. so excited to talk about this episode. <laughs> I was getting ahead of myself. There you go. Um, okay, so this is the genre where truly like science fiction and fantasy come together. This is where you get SFF. So science fiction like worlds exist and combine with the fantasy elements we love. I love this genre. Yeah, my ideal genre. So a couple of very cool books in this genre. The first one we're going to talk about is like maybe one of my favorite books that I've read within the past year or so. It's called Iron Widow by Shirin J. Zhao. And it's just so fun. It's got, it's got killer robots. It's got feminism. It's got uh, a thruple. <laughs> what more do you need? Everything you Is need. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's got so good violence. So mm-hmm. much violence. So much but anger. like such like satisfying. Yes. It's just, I love it. Yeah. I love it a lot. Uh, Mary Payton, would you like to read the synopsis for this one? Sure. I love this book, so I'm happy to. The boys of Washa dream of pairing up with girls to pilot chrysalises. Giant transforming robots that can battle the mecha aliens that lurk beyond the Great Wall. It doesn't matter that the girls often die from the mental strain. When 18-year-old Zetian offers herself up as a concubine pilot, it's to assassinate the ace male pilot responsible for her sister's death. But she gets her vengeance in a way nobody expected. She kills him through the psychic link between pilots and emerges from the cockpit unscathed. She is labeled an Iron Widow a much-feared and much-silenced kind of female pilot who can sacrifice boys to power up chrysalises instead. To tame her unnerving yet invaluable mental strength, she has paired up with Lee Shimon, the strongest and most controversial male pilot in Washia. But now that Zetian has had a taste of power, she will not cower so easily. She will miss no opportunity to leverage their combined might and infamy to survive attempt after attempt on her life until she can figure out exactly why the pilot system works in its misogynist way and stop more girls from being sacrificed. Wow. Yes. Wow. Female rage. Female rage. It's so, this, I, this book is so good. 
Is there anything, uh, I'm trying to remember any particular like magical elements in that book. I think the magical elements there is kind of the unaccounted for brain power that they have, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the magic system is just kind of like, just really built into their whole society and like how it works. Yeah, it really is. And if that counts. Yeah, it's really innate in the people that have it. So yeah, it's, it's hard to say what is what is the magic and what is the sci-fi of it. Yeah, it, that's why it just all comes together yeah. and to a very cool book. Mm-hmm. Okay, next on the list, we have another series, classic, the Acts of Cain series by Matthew Stover. And I'm just going to read a little uh, excerpt from Penguin Random House about this series, because I think it sums it up super nicely. Okay, so in Heroes Die, which is the first book in the series. Okay, so in Heroes Die and Blade of Tishali, Matthew Stover created a new kind of fantasy novel and a new kind of hero to go with it. Kane, a street thug turned superstar, battling in a future where reality shows take place in another dimension on a world where magic exists and gods are up close and personal. I think that sums it up and it also sums up this genre like so accurately. Futuristic fantasy is the genre where you're going to see people argue that, you know, Star Wars is in or Dune. And I feel like Dune is kind of the quintessential hallmark for science fiction, but there are fantastical elements. So whether you're reading or writing urban, futuristic, or historical fantasy, it's going to be a wild ride. And that's how you book. This episode was written and edited by me, Grace Ball. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wildlink Press on social media or at www.wildlinkpress.com.